What's up, fandom? My name is Josh, and today I'm joined by two very special guests. We have the creators, executive producers of Glitch Text. We have Dan Milano. That's me. Hello. And Eric Robles. Robles! I can't roll my R that much. <laughs> that was good. You've got you've got way more practice of the R's than I do. Ben Barraca! <laughs> Eric Robles! Uh, so how are you guys doing today? Good. Uh, we're, we're great, man. On this we've been, glorious. We've been, waiting, we've been waiting ever since Glitch Sex came out to do this interview with you, man. So I mean, yeah. it's it's one of those like I know we had spoken back in 2016 um, about hey, let's do an episode, guys. I'm just kidding. That never happened. <laughs> Could you imagine though if it was, if it was 2016, you guys are you know figuring like out like what you want to do for the show? And I'm just uh, like, hey guys, you guys want to come on the show? <laughs> We That's how I spoke yes. in 2016. Yeah, we would have said yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And we'll see you in the future. Yes. Yep. We'll see you four years from now, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll be like, oh, that's, uh, we'll just let those put this in the oven for four, for four years. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so uh, let's, let's, we're going to talk about Glitch Text. So spoilers for, for Glitch Text, uh, both seasons. Um, we're not going to do like a whole bunch of spoilers because, you know, watch the show. Yeah, I mean, just like it, it's on Netflix. It's, it's on that, both seasons conveniently. Both all the answers you're looking for are on Netflix. Exactly. Yeah, there, are, there are twenty episodes, uh, nineteen if, but we count our two part uh, pilot. The pilot, yeah. All right, is one episode, and uh, it it really is one large set that was uh, split into two drops for Netflix. So you know, to us, it's it was initially our season one. Uh, to the Netflix audience, it's, you know, two two drops uh, of two Netflix seasons. Um, but yeah, it's the full breadth of what we initiated when we set out to to embark on these first 20 shows. Yeah, Netflix does weird stuff like that. Like yeah, when, they, when they did the, tr- when they did uh, Troll Hunters, it was like, here's like nine episodes. And then you're like, well, how can you do like part one and then part two, but then well, like you know, release they, them at the same time? We used time? to say, how can you drop an entire season? That's crazy. Why don't you do one a week? And, you know, so they're doing things their own way. Yeah. Um, what what seemed to work for us is that if they had just dropped all 20 initially, it would have been, you know, there and done. But they yeah. have, have very smartly grown the audience because the first was kind of like a taste and then people come back. If they want more, they get this next set of 10. Um, so that gave us the realization as it was happening that like oh you know we it gave it time to build mm-hmm. and then i think for them they also just get yeah. you know t- yeah. two releases instead of one so yeah, it's I just one of these new media out. things yeah i think i think it worked out to to our benefit you know again like dan was saying like it gave an audience to kind of you know discover it and even now like people are still discovering it and going back and now they like they got one and two you know all together mm-hmm. but uh, it's been nice to kind of see the growth in the fandom uh, for the show. So, you know, I, I, I thought it was good. Uh, yeah, like I know a uh, I know a nice little four-year-old who um, usually only watches uh, True in the Rainbow Kingdom, but <laughs> very, like, loves glitch techs. Very yeah. bright colors. He's like, yeah. So... <laughs> You done. You done well with at least one four-year-old. Congrats <laughs> well, a lot there. of people at Nick thought we were crazy when we said we wanted to appeal to everybody. We were like, "Yeah, we want to do you know uh, little kids up through uh, grown adults. Um, why, why pick?" 
uh, boys and girls uh, and, 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 other, and other denominations and identifications. Like, let's just try to entertain everybody, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I, and, and, you, and you guys do that because you guys have, you know, episodes based on like Castlevania and like Five Nights at Freddy and like DDR and uh, Street Fighter, um, Candy Crush, uh, The Faculty. <laughs> or invasion of the body snatchers whatever i'm um that's the, that was way before me so the faculty uh and yeah lots of references that's not really based on a game it's true but but you know we we had it drummed into us very early by our our mentors that um the the important thing is even with all those high concepts with all those references with with all those ideas if you make the show really primarily about the, the characters, then that means you don't have to know those things to enjoy it. You can watch Castlevania uh, or Castle Stein. If you have never played Castlevania and don't know what it is, it's still an entertaining story about these mm -hmm. characters. Um, if you do know, it's this extra, you know, cookie center that like, you know, you get to sink your teeth into. So that, that's something we were grateful for that, you know, people really held us accountable for. Definitely. I mean, and yeah, like your, your body snatchers episode. Um, I mean, like that's just popular culture. That's in everything. Yeah. They did an episode in Stargate SG one. So it's like, yeah, if, if Stargate SG one can do it, you guys, it's free game. Just go for it. You know, today games and movies, it's all genre. It's just all genre and, it, and they translate back and forth between one another. So yeah, and, 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 and you, you never, like, really get enough of it. You know, once you enjoy watching Aliens, like, if, you know, another Aliens-type movie comes out, you're like, I want to watch that. You know, yeah. whether it's good or not, that's totally up to whoever made it, and you, you see if they did well. But in general, you're like, yeah, I want to see more Aliens. Sure, why not, you know? Exactly. Like, I've seen all the, the Alien and Predator movies. Right. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, I've exactly. seen them all. Yeah, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Exactly. And if they make another one, I'll see that one too. Yeah, I will too, I have to admit. And the Terminator films, a lot of these are Fox properties that they just seem to like, you know, uh, degrade over time. And yet I am, I, I do, I, I'm, I'm in on the core premise. Uh, and that's the thing I'm really interested in. Um, you know, so yeah, there, there are things we'll just show up for and they know that. Yeah. And some are better than others and, you know. We, we, we know how hard it is to really make anything. And I think making something in the studio system is also very difficult. And when you deal with a franchise where there are probably many oh, masters with opinions, that's nearly impossible. So sometimes it's a miracle these things get through at all, yeah, <laughs> to yeah. be honest. Really? Um, okay, so uh, we're going to do a little deep dive now. Um, I want you to think back. Think back in the day. Um, both of you running around with your cool little like Skechers light bright shoes, you know, when you walk, they turn colors and everything. What were your favorite games growing up? Cause I assume you guys may have played or are for at least familiar with, yeah. uh, you know, video games and like Wouldn't board games it. and everything. I'm going to, I'm going to take it way back for a yeah. second. Channel F. Do you, you guys know this? Channel yeah, F. I remember Channel F. That was like a cable. Uh... No, that it was an actual game um, system. Uh, oh, it was? Yeah. Channel, Channel F. Look it up. Tell your yeah, friend. You doing it now? Is that what you're doing? Yeah. 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 Looking it up. Talking. Don't stop. <laughs> okay, so anyways, Channel F was the first game system that came into our house. 
Yeah. Wow. Did you see? You see who's involved in it, Dan? Fairchild Semiconductor Company. No, I don't see who's involved. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna reel you in a little bit. See, see if you can guess this one. So we did an episode, right, with the classic video game, right? Yeah, like Pong. Uh huh. And who did we reference uh, in that show? Gerald Lawson. Yeah, dude. Oh, this was Gerald's. Yeah, dude. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's right. I just saw the um, documentary. It just blanked on it. Yes, yeah, so Gerald Lawson did the first, um, like, you know, uh, software, uh, basically the first cartridge video game, and, and our character, Jerry Lawson, was named after him. Um, so that you had that system? I never yeah, knew. Yeah, that's the first one my dad brought to the house, and um, it had... It had uh, it, what did it have? It had like tic-tac-toe. It had Pong, like a version of Pong, right? It had tic-tac-toe. What I remember constantly, because I would play my sister, is when you lost at playing tic-tac-toe, it would say, you lose, turkey. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. But it was a miracle that there, it could, there could be text and eventually speech. Yeah, we had Pong. We had the original Pong for a little while. That was our first dinosaur. Yeah. And then, of course, after that, you know, comes all the arcade games. You would go to the arcade, play all the games, right? Like, again, you would play the Defenders, and you'd play, like, you know, Centipede and Yars Revenge and Atari all this Star stuff. Wars, and, yeah. And then we never got, actually, the Atari. We got ColecoVision. And then... Like, where you we got did, to put the cool little, like, piece of plastic on your TV. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, you could buy the adapter so you could play all the Atari games. Yep, change the controller, change the screen. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, so, anyways, th those were a little sample. And uh, Zaxxon, I don't know if you remember those, but like. Um, I would I would always go to. I didn't have any game consoles other than Pong, and I would go to Phil Altier's house, who Phil is named after, and uh, play his Atari. He had all the Atari systems. He had ColecoVision. Uh, I don't know what, how many lawns he mowed to pay for all that stuff, but he had like every system uh, up through the NES and the Super NES. So I just used to play at his house all the time. Yeah, it would have to be a lot of yard lawns because that was like 170 bucks yeah. back then. Yeah, and he did. He, he was the hardest working kid I know to this day. He always held a job or two jobs. You know? And he's still a kid, which is crazy. Yeah, he never aged. Never grew up. Just like Peter Pan. Um, so, uh, like, what was the name of your arcades called? Because I want to know. Now I want to know because I came from a little town in Oklahoma, little Shawnee, Oklahoma. So, I want to know who has the best arcade name. Uh, I can't. We we had Rolls, which was really a roller skate place, and Chuck E. Cheese, which was absolutely the the Chuck E. Cheese on in Suffolk County or Comac. New York was uh, enormous. It was like the size of a warehouse and it was just filled. It was a maze of games. Parents would just never see their kids again. Uh, <laughs> so we didn't have like, uh, a, like a real sexy named arcade. It was just the roller rink and Chuck E. Cheese where I grew up. Yeah, 7-Elevens were big uh, for us. So out here in LA, there's, you know, 7-Elevens in every corner. So wherever you see, um, uh, ATM machine in a 7-Eleven is where arcade yeah, uh, machines used to be. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. So, so that was big, but we did have arcades, but to be honest with you, I, I can't even remember the names. It just said arcade out front. 
yeah. but 7-Elevens were huge for us because that's where we would all get together, hang out with our friends. We would all meet there. And luckily there was an arcade next to school. So we, once we heard the first bell ring, hurry up, hurry up. Second bell, we're out of here. All the kids, you know, go back to school. Um, and uh, which inspired my first show, Fanboy and Chum Chum, was all arcade, hanging out at convenience stores and all that good stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah, so we didn't have an actual, I don't remember like, the names of the arcades that we would go to because there was two major ones I remember going to, but I remember the names. They just said arcade out front. We, we just had one in the mall because um, when I was growing up, there was one thing to do in Shawnee and that was the mall. That was it. We had one mall and yeah, that was it. It had the Walmart attached to it at the beginning. So like you could go from Walmart into the mall yep. and it was for, or from the mall into Walmart. It was beautiful. Magical. Yeah. Uh, and then they decided to move Walmart literally maybe 30 feet across the way and so there was just like this like storage area for the mall for the longest time and then the mall went downhill but uh i, I guess uh but uh, our arcade was called tilt and oh, i great. i love that arcade so that's much well yeah um, I, I really do i love pinball that's a whole other that's a whole other place to go oh yeah, yeah. uh r- real quick uh th- this this is going to be for dan um because i mean we're not from la but dan is it weird like when you came here and like all the 7-elevens like didn't have gas they were just like standalone (laughs) 7-elevens yes i've seen like two 7-elevens in all of southern california that actually have gas pumps yeah why would a 7-eleven have a gas pump bro because it's a gas station (laughs) that sounds weird yep But like I got here because like I, I like the first the first time I was here I was like okay I gotta get some gas and I looked at my phone I was like oh there's a Seven Eleven like that's sweet I'll just go to Seven Eleven I'll get a big gulp and I'll uh, I'll get gas I pull in and there's no gas and I'm just like what is this <laughs> now what sorcery some sort of trickery on my phone so I went to another one and it was like no we don't have gas here either and I was like why does none of these Seven Elevens have any gas and then you ran out of gas. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness there was an Arca like right there, and I was like, Phew. "Oh man." Um. Okay. So uh, another thing that we do, like we're called What's Up Fandom. We we talk, you know, movies, games, books, all that fun stuff. So I want to know what's your favorite movie, because you guys, like I said, you guys do a lot of movie references in here. There is a nice one, uh, a nice Aliens one, which was I think was like "Get Away from Them, You Glitch," which mm-hmm. I thought beautiful. Uh. So what are your favorite movies? Oh, you man. thought you were just going to talk about glitch text on this show. You well, that's a, yeah, man, but that's like, you know, that's a tough one, right? Because we're, we're kids who grew up in the 80s, man, you know? So uh, Dan and I really connect. Uh, we connected specifically with Ghostbusters. Um, that's where all this crazy journey began for us is connecting to that movie and saying like, hey, you know, when I presented this project to Dan, it's like, hey, man, this is like a Ghostbusters with video games. And I knew I had him. I just had to say Ghostbusters and that was it. Yeah, he really did. He really did. I had been wanting to do a Ghostbusters type property or to be involved with Sony's Ghostbusters like for decades, like ever since I was, you know, 12 or 13 or whatever and saw the the first uh, movie uh, and the one I really just 
like the, the most. I, there is really just the one movie for me, although the others are, are fine. Um, and, you know, uh, we're 80s kids. So, you know, I appreciate a lot of um, 60s, uh, 70s films, uh, you know, for various reasons. But when you're talking about something that would influence glitch text, then we were the kind of sugar cereal Saturday morning cartoon generation. And we were going to the movies and seeing things like E.T., Gremlins, Goonies, you know, the, the Spielberg Lucas. Yeah. Uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. Um, you know. Little China, man, everybody. Yeah. Oh my the gosh, only thing I remember from that movie was, yeah, man. was the yeah. hand sign. Oh, what? It's so, so good. You can watch it right now and you'll be like, oh, this is gold. I forgot. David Lynch films. So you had the like the fantastical kind of popcorn uh, high concept stuff that was beginning, but you you still also had a lot of respect for um, 60s, 70s uh, filmmaking, you know, and there was a lot of story, a lot of character. The one area you can argue Ghostbusters is a little deficient maybe is in, you know, the character building. It's just really funny, charismatic leads. They don't change or go through a deeper story. But what we always talked about loving about that movie and some of the movies like it was the accessibility. You know, the, the, the kids in Gremlins and Goonies seemed like people we knew and hang out with. And when supernatural crazy things happened to them, it really connected with us. Um, you know, uh, in Back to the Future, the idea that somebody could take an ordinary car and turn it into a time machine was more realistic than something fantastical from the future. Um, or that the Ghostbusters just knew what parts to buy at Home Depot to create these packs, you know. And so the fact that you could drive by an old firehouse and think that there might be a Ghostbusters recruitment center inside was really part of what attracted us, you know, that it seemed possible. Mm -hmm. And that's what we wanted Glitch Text to, to be. You know, for every kid who saw a Geek Squad uh, car drive by, they could think like, oh, I wonder if they're, you know, if they're really Glitch Text. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. So that's, that's, I think, what the movies gave us was like a sense of play, but uh, something that we also like triggered our imaginations in a way that felt real. Nice. Um, yeah, I was trying to, I was talking with uh, my, my buddy Jason Simpson from The Dragon Prince uh, last night, um, and I was telling him about like how we were going to do uh, this episode today, and uh, he looked at the tag for the show, and he was like, it seems a lot like Pixels, or sounds a lot like Pixels, and I just described it as, it's like Pixels and IT Crowd and Superstore all kind of mixed together. Uh, but I didn't even think about Ghostbusters. I was like, oh, but yeah, Ghostbusters. Yeah, it's generational. Yeah. You know, it's there for those who know. And again, and if not, just like we we're saying about Castlevania, you know, these things are like, they're in the DNA, but if you haven't personally experienced them, it's, it's fine. You know, we all have our own point of access. So let's, let's actually talk about glitch checks now. The reason that I brought you guys on um so what kind of like what brought i around the idea for glitch text um yeah i, I mean it, it all started uh, again was it just was it just the love of ghostbusters it was, it was like just ghostbusters we just want to do ghostbusters but we can't but we can no yeah, i mean look it, it's it's easy to say you know we, we're all inspired by something at some point that sparks something in us right 
And for me, I, I was going through, uh, you know, I was in, um, I had an overall deal over at Nickelodeon uh, after I had finished Fanboy and Chum Chum. Mm -hmm. They put me on an overall deal. And I was, uh, you know, in my office, you know, trying to get inspired, you know, coming up with concepts. And I was, I went through a whole week where I was watching the real Ghostbusters, the animated series that was mm -hmm. done in the eighties. And I just had that playing in the background and just kind of enjoying it while I would be drawing. And then I just said to myself, I was like, man, it sucks that Sony isn't doing something, an animated version of like Ghostbusters. And this is way before I even heard that they were gonna do the, um, you know, revamp of the movie. I was just thinking like, man, if, if there's an IP out there that can be done animated, like really cool would be this again. Um, because I love that they could mix in, you know, the, the, the funny with the horror and just kind of like, it just felt so cool how they can dive in on the creepy side of things and also have fun at the same time. There's a lot of but, genre bending of action, comedy and horror. All yeah. And that's movie. what the movie did so well as well. Like, you know, it's so crazy to see how, it can look really scary, but at the same time, you're having a lot of fun. And I just love that. And I was like, you know, if I was working at Sony, I would definitely be pitching this, say like, hey, let's do this, right? But obviously, I wasn't. And obviously, I was at Nickelodeon. So I was like, hmm, I was like, what would be another version of this? And then that's when I kind of, you know, came up with the idea of like video games. What if video game monsters would come out of uh, consoles that would glitch? And when they would glitch, whatever you're playing at the time would actually start morphine in front of you while you're playing it because of the glitch. And, and then the concept just got bigger and saying like, oh, what if there was a company that made the, the greatest, like if there was like a monopoly of all the great, you know, video game companies that eventually just came together to be the ultimate video game console out there, right? What would that be? The most amazing, powerful, like uh, console you can get. But the problem is they sold too many and they're out in the universe now, right? Everybody has them and you can't put the cat back in the bag, right? Like, so now that these things happen, it would cost them billions of dollars to basically try to put that cat in the back once they discovered that there's, they had the faulty uh, consoles. So instead of doing that, you know, they went to the next best thing, which is recruit teenagers who are amazing at playing games and then just make them the IT kind of superheroes to go take care of their big company problem. Kind of, that was the, like the general, but, that was more of the big concept of what that was, but I, what really fell in love with was the idea of a day in the life of two characters that have a job and that have probably been doing it kind of like Ghostbusters. They've been doing it for a while. They're very casual about it. And I ended up boarding up a, a sequence that was an intro of two characters. You have no idea who they are. They just roll up to a house in a van and they're having a full discussion about like why I think this game is better. The other guy's saying this game is better. And they're having a real deep discussion, very uh -huh. like, pulp, like Pulp Fiction, like, you know what I mean? Like talking about like, you know, the quarter pounder, right? And so they're having a deep discussion about video games and they're rolling up to a house, you know, they're there for a service job, but you have no idea why they're there until like everything unleashes in front of them. Um, and then that's that kind of planted the seed of what that was, which eventually like once I had this, I was like, wow, that's really fun. But I had put it away and I kind of forgot about it until like the president at the time was Russell Hicks at the studio. He came down to my office like he would every once in a while and pull out my box of ideas that I had under my desk. He would go through a bunch of stuff and he found like this storyboard I had done. And he says, hey, what's this? And I pitch it to him and he's like, this is great. Put this in development. And I was like, holy, like just like that. <laughs> 
And so immediately I sent it off to Dan because we had worked together on a previous project before in development that didn't uh, uh, pan out for whatever reason. But then I sent it to Dan and in typical Dan fashion, which I love about Dan is that like, he'll take whatever you give him and come back with like, you know, 20 pages of notes on, on what you just kind of like gave him. And that's what he did. He fell in love with it immediately. As soon as I gave it to him, I'm like, Dan, here's this idea. And like the next night he was like, oh my gosh, dude, this is great. This is what it could be. This is the potential of this thing is huge. And then I'll let you take it from there, Dan. Well, yeah, just, you know, it's the lore of it spoke to me in the way it could sort of, there could be stores in every town, every city across the world. And, and like all the, all the stuff I had always wanted to see Ghostbusters do um, to again, make it accessible to people. And also it was just fun to look back at a series that, um, you know, for kids who want to go and Google uh, the real Ghostbusters, it was a legit anime series. One of the first American series that was produced as anime. I think Transformers was the other. It was the early days of DIC Entertainment. I think they had a deal with the Coca-Cola company and Sony to produce these episodes. So it's the first few seasons are legitimately impressive animation. And the stories are... Um, Monster of the Week, some are goofy, but others are memorable. There's there's some very scary episodes. I believe yeah. the show was written by uh, people who used to write for Outer Limits and Twilight Zone. Um, the head writer uh, won an Oscar uh, for the movie The Changeling with Angelina Jolie. <laughs> so it's like, it was good writing. So anyway, that was an inspiration too, to say, let's do genre, let's try to bring back some really impressive animation and let's try to write something sophisticated that's not, you know, just going to pander for the kid audience. Um, and yeah, I think you guys definitely did that because, you know, most animation, I mean, is, is for children. One would argue. And that shouldn't mean. Oh, definitely, definitely not. But, but often I, it does. Yeah. yeah I, I like just going back to our four-year-old friend, Remy, um, there's true in the rainbow kingdom and then there's glitch text <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> and whenever he's over here like because like they come over here for disneyland like he and his parents they come over here for disneyland so i've watched a lot of true <laughs> i'm not gonna lie our 200th episode of our last podcast the animation station was episode true 100 just because i could make a pun <laughs> um so yeah I, i'm all for that but yeah like between the two like with glitch text like you know again it's you know a show for you know one would say again animation show for kids but like this show it's just good like there's no it doesn't have like that um you know like the robot chicken or like the family guy type of aspect to it it's just one it's good animation which thank you for making good animation which you don't get all the time nowadays. <laughs> um, you get really weird animation. That, that, that's a whole nother podcast, by the way. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do, oh, animation styles? Oh, yeah. It's um, very hard for creators to have control of that sometimes. We are extremely fortunate that Eric and, and, and others on our team were very ambitious and that Nickelodeon um, really did, um, you know, help us pursue that and figure it out. I mean, that would have not been possible at most studios, I don't think. 
Yeah, yeah. our supervising producer, Ian Graham, like, you know, he was my right hand man going overseas and, uh, you know, setting up studios in France and just, you know, making sure that, you know, we hired like top talent that we were fans of as animators to really kind of get them involved in this project. And we literally opened up a studio, uh, you know, out in France to specifically uh, nurture this talent that we wanted to work on our show. And a very a specific pipeline based on some stuff that Ankama Studios was doing in France, which inspired Eric and, and you know, yeah, it, I mean, it was just great. And again, you know, that's a big deal for, for Nickelodeon to say, hey, you guys have this property nobody's ever heard of. It's completely original. You want to go outside the normal system and pursue something that's a little bit radical, um, you know, and it can make them nervous at times, but they 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 supported it you know I mean the show we've got is because we were able to cultivate it there so you know people are aware that there was there's been so many regime changes at Nick and and with Viacom and Viacom CBS and Viacom CBS Paramount and blah 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 uh, over the years and some of that has affected us and it's been rough here and there but this show would not exist uh, if not for the the team that was at Nickelodeon when we were developing and it was unheard of. We just feel like the luckiest people that we got to, you know, do half of this work, much less 20 episodes. Yeah. Um, oh, so Eric, big fan of uh, Wakfu and uh, Dofus. Oh, dude, the that's what stuff. I'm That's what got me on this journey, man, for the animation style. You know, uh, Wakfu back in 2006, I think I discovered it. And then um, I, I had joined their Kickstarter to... Um, Did you just join this last one? Yeah, not, not, uh, well, I, this last one I have donated, but... Oh, um, uh, yeah, same, right there, right there with you. <laughs> yeah, so that first one that they did to dub all their stuff in English, I was a part of that whole thing. Um, and then um, because of that, I was, you know, I really wanted to pursue that style of animation because I thought it was the smartest... Uh, production uh, techniques that they were doing because they would do everything in flash, right? The talking head stuff. Mm -hmm. And then they would put all their energy, like anime, they would put all their energy in these amazing fight sequences. And you know, that French anime kind of style was just like amazing. And I was like, that's so smart. You know, that's how you do it. You spend all your money in all these great action sequences and then all the talking head stuff, you can just use your puppets and your rigs. And I was like, that's what we need to do. And so when we were uh, building the pipeline, I was looking at what um, Wakfu uh, and Dofus had done, you know, obviously at Studio Ankama. And uh, the original test was actually Ankama. They did our test for us. Oh. So yeah, and that was hard as well because the, the owner of the studio, like I had, you know, Dan helped me write this love letter to him and saying like, hey man, I love what you guys done. You know, and, you know, I was part of your Kickstarter back in the day, man. Take, take a look at what we've done. You know, if you'd be interested in, in animating and producing this with us, we'd be honored. Um, and, you know, we took a trip down there and met with him and I, I checked out the studio and all the facilities and they agreed to do a, a pilot for us, which we did just like a test. And it turned out amazing. And even though it didn't work out ultimately because it was uh, too expensive to do it, we now had the bar of what we wanted to accomplish because of that test. Well, and because that. time uh, had, had passed, a lot of the employees that had wrapped up on, uh, on Dofus uh, were now without jobs and we were just starting up a studio. So we ended so up- So you were able to get, get these people. Yeah, 
were like, and they remembered our test, so they were even some of them were even asking about it. They're like, "What ha what happened with that show? Because we're yeah. on hiatus. We we need work." And it was like um, amazing timing. Yeah, the timing was perfect. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Because yeah, I love Wakfu. Like I like yeah. we've it's it's one of those like we did we did a an episode on Wakfu and we did an episode with uh, Jules DeYoung, who voices like everybody in that show basically yeah. Yeah. she's she's like Hugo. she's the evangeline yeah, she's yeah. pretty much anyone that she, who's there um but like, yeah like that, that wakfu episode it still gets downloads and i'm just like man i should really do another one of those uh just because i mean like i don't think the quality was there when we did it because it was one of those like i think i was doing it with somebody who like wasn't really a fan of the animation style and i was like you're crazy um and like wasn't a fan of the story so it was me just basically like gushing about it and her oh just kind of be like Err. and i was just yeah like, go take it apart and go find these people you know it's with social media now we you know we we were able to have our crew communicate with overseas animators eventually and we still are in communication with them post release of the show and you know, we really think it's great when people bring visibility to, you know, the, the companies and the individuals in the companies that do all this work because, you know, I, I, it's also well known how hard people work to dub anime, to make animation, to ink and to, uh, to, to animate and to design and, you know, and as hard as they work, um, you know, they're not always like paid well, they're not always known, um, but the more people know their names and start to follow them as individuals and come interested in their work and what shows they do, the better. So that Ankama definitely deserves um, a look for how much they've innovated and influenced. And, you know, we're proud that Glitch Text is kind of like this, you know, um, odd little cousin who, you know, kind of followed in their example. And we hope that it trends to others you know we think that the toon boom and um and hand animation are going to kind of become you know pretty big for films and television yeah um let's kind of uh okay so this is going to be fun i'm going to go through the characters and you guys get to correct me because i'm i'm gonna butcher names it's just the way it works let's do it um so uh we've got uh we got five hector okay so real quick so i I rewatched both seasons again, uh, starting yesterday to kind of prep to make sure I remembered everything. We don't get it. Like, what? Why? Why is Hector called Five? Like, what's? Like, why? Why is that? Is like his like gamer tag? That, that, just, I mean, that was yeah. That was a nickname. Um, what's your you gamer know, tag? For for me, I, I'm a which little... one? Which one? I used to be like when I played Halo one, a lot. Just, just give me. I one. used to be a bunch of kittens. So Wait, one, I, I didn't hear this. What happened? So when whenever we played, hey, yeah, my old my gamer tag. So when when I was really playing games online, Wait, what is the gamer tag? The gamer tag is a bunch of kittens. Okay. So, so you would either get killed by a bunch of kittens, <laughs> and that's just like ah, oh, a bunch of kittens killed me, or you would kill a bunch of kittens and be like, right. I hope you feel bad now. Right. Because <laughs> it'd be yeah, you were killed by a bunch of kittens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like drive a warthog, you got splattered by a bunch of kittens. You'd be like, wonder what that looks like. Is that like a kitten stampede coming at you? That's that's pretty sophisticated thinking, man. Um, yeah, I don't know why Ash goes by Ash. I'm sure his name is Ashley or, or something else. Um, 
we 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 talked about reasons he he might be named five like emotionally and all that but like it's, that, it's just I, fun to call dude high five I, I used to also like i remember uh going out with friends and whenever we would just go out in general like we just high five man you know what i mean so it's just like you know it's like your little victory high five right so yeah, I, I i always imagine like high five every time he would win like people would just high five him, you know? like so, high five That's, yeah. i like that i like that because i mean like miko like the the me ko like yeah. that one's good like that's like and, that's and that fits her character here. right like it fits her character high five is definitely the guy like you would high five like dude you did it awesome like great job yeah and friendly and positive and then sort of like um um sweetly aggressive <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> Um, okay, so we have five voiced by Ricardo Hurtado. 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 I was, I'll get, I got Ricardo right. Yeah. Uh, uh, then we've got Miko, Monica Ray. Yep. yep. That one. That one, I think I did Hit pretty good. Next. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have a uh, bit voiced by some guy. Um, <laughs> some, yeah. Uh, we've got Phil, uh, Scott Creamer. Kramer? It's, it's yeah we just oh. we just had him on the show uh to do a jurassic world episode and so like He's before amazing. i was like i was like so is it creamer i want to make sure i like i don't want to like it would freak say out our production to hear him because he he was head writer of pinky malinky which was mm -hmm. on our production floor at nickelodeon and so the storyboard team you know a lot of the people on the show hadn't really met him yet but they'd be like i think i hear phil they like take their headphones off, and then eventually everyone realized, like, oh, he—that's him. He works here, you know. Uh, <laughs> that voice is so signature, and the part was really—I mean—written for him to to be honest, you know, because we knew him. Yeah, if uh, if you know, I've known Scott for many years, and he's the kind of—he is Phil, like literally, even in animation, where it's like he acts and acts like, oh God, this is a burden, like, oh, the job. Oh, the industry, right? But you know, that's just the front for how much he loves. It's like the complete yeah, opposite. He's a like very the front. He loves um, the industry. He loves the artists. He loves all of it. Yeah. I'm know? glad you said that because when he did our episode, he was very much like Phil. And I was like, oh, no, it's not yep. good. No. That's who he is. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, uh, Scott Kramer, he was, yeah, uh, super nice dude. Um, we have Mitch, voiced by Luke, Lung, uh, Luke, Luke Youngblood. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, I love that you know his uh, his hair stain his hairstyle change you know towards oh, the cool, yeah. that second season I'm like, yeah. but I like that a lot better than like that pompadour that goes uh, on. Like, <laughs> um, okay, here's where here's where we're gonna get tough. We have Zara, played by Zara. Zara Fazal. Yep. Oh, okay. Um, Bergy, uh, Josh uh, Sussman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hanesh Sandeep Pakir? Sandeep Parik. Parik. As uh, Hanish. Hanish. Yeah. Um, and then for season three, uh, I, I was told that you guys are going to add a uh, podcaster. <clears throat> <laughs> <clears throat> just, <clears throat> just saying. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's yeah. in the works. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just let me know. I'll send my reel. Uh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, uh, so basically you have this ridiculous cast uh phenomenal by the way like the voice acting love it um you have a very diverse cast um how important was it uh creating this show to show a 
large, uh, you know, a large diversity for, or a large, wow, to so, I can't talk, to show so much inclusion in your people. cast. <laughs> yeah, there's so many different people. Yeah, man. It was uh, super important. Go ahead, Eric. It really began with your initial characters. Yeah, I, I mean, look, you know, um, you know, high, high Five is a version of myself, you know, a Latino kid, you know, growing up out in L.A. and all that good stuff, you know. And to be honest with you, like uh, growing up out here in L.A., it's all always it's always been about diversity. And I didn't have a name for it. I didn't even know I, I was in a world that was diverse. It's just born and raised out here. You're just mixed in it all, you know, and especially in more of like the poverty kind of poverty, you know, I grew up in a poor area. So you're just mixed in it all. And you can go into uh, an Asian run liquor store and it's no big deal. That's just what it was. And you can have African-American friends. You can have like, but to be honest with you, man, these are all labels. I, I, I never even thought about all this stuff. Like I never said like, oh, that's my African-American friend. And that's the uh, Asian owner. It just was the neighborhood. You know, and you grew up in the neighborhood and the neighborhood's all mixed up, you know, and that's just growing up in L.A. That's always been a big part of it for me. And so I, I never saw the big difference in all that stuff. It just was part of the world. I think that glitch text in particular really kind of opened the door for the diversity and uh, for us, because I know when I was doing Fanboy and Chum Chum, it wasn't like I was doing a Latino kid. It was just a kid, and I didn't think about the race or any of that stuff. It was just a, ge a generic kind of, like, kid. I didn't think mm -hmm. of it as Latino, white, or anything. Like, it was just a kid. But this one, because it felt so realistic, like, the foundation of it felt like it needed just to kind of, like, open its doors to what we know now, like, you know, being around, especially out here in LA, being around like so many diverse type of people. Yeah, it, it, the realism was the whole thing. We wanted to ground it. The other thing to, to go to Ghostbusters one more time is that, that the, the, the signature image of that movie when we were growing up was like this j stupid giant marshmallow man that is from the end of that film juxtaposed with like um, New York City in the early 80s, you know, which was still like a fairly, you know, grimy, you know, city. And so the juxtaposition of that was so important. The, the Marshall Man is funny if he's in the, you know, root of New York. So the more real the cast, the more incredible the things that they go up against. Mm -hmm. And so you don't want a cast of like, kind of unrelatable cartoon kids because that there's no contrast there. Mm -hmm. um, you want people who are hopefully like the people, the audience uh, knows, you know, and to us, you know, we grew up with a certain amount of diversity and then we worked with it. You know, we worked with people of all, you know, um, backgrounds at Nickelodeon and drew inspiration from the people we were working with at the time, Monica, Ray and Scott, were two people who we knew as we were developing the show and, and who became part of it early on. Uh, Eric brought himself to the character. I brought aspects of my personality to some of them. And then as we, you add writers and um, consultants and artists, they all bring their truth. And so it just starts to grow. And the one place it was slightly conscious too is that maybe you are from somewhere in the country where there isn't a lot of diversity and a lot of people look like you. But if you're playing video games, 
when you go online, I guarantee you, you are in a huge melting pot. Yep. So the other thing is to reflect video game culture, that mm -hmm. diversity is so important. And as far as that goes, we've barely even scratched the surface because mm -hmm. there's so many differently abled people. There's so many people with different personality type and it's not just about race and there's gender identities and orientations and everyone plays video games. So it would be, you know, would not be truthful if we tried to pretend it was just about like, cute white dude gamers or like you know or there were, for a long time a female gamer character was considered like a unicorn uh you know because they supposedly didn't exist um but the truth is you know females have been half the gaming community for quite a long time mm -hmm. so it was just time for somebody to like nudge the camera in that direction to look at it you know yeah like, that's one of those things that, like, I've never got. Because, I mean, like, my best friend growing up, Kelsey, she was, like, the best at any game. We could, she could touch anything and just beat it. Like, I sat with her one afternoon while she just destroyed Donkey Kong Country. And I was just, like, in awe. Like, I couldn't get past that part. Like, I couldn't yeah. get off the beach. And she's just, like, mowing through everything. And I'm like, all right. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's it, man. You know, and, and that's why, like, I, you know, we're, we're really proud of just kind of, to be honest with you, it's like even the show when we're making it, we weren't thinking of the heaviness of the diversity. It just became a crew of, of people we wanted to work with and they all had voices, they all had opinions and we wanted to welcome everybody's voice and opinions uh, to the show. Uh, we, we, we had a very, uh, I want to say abnormal production which is i think what made us special at the same time like dan and i wanted everybody to be a part of this and learn and you know say what they wanted to say the consultants were huge you know having everybody just kind of like be a part of the creation of this thing was a big uh was important for dan and i so you know i, I think it benefited the show ultimately because the the again dan and i always have to filter it right ultimately but we were always open for the conversations and to really kind of acknowledge what people were trying to say when they had something to say. Nice. Literally posed it to them, like, cause they're all pop culture obsessive people. And it's like, well, when you were growing up, what did, what did you not get that you wanted more of? And what, and what did you get lots of that you felt fortified by? So that really helped create a roadmap for us of like, the kind of depictions that they wanted to put out there in the world and you know for for kids who were like them and, and didn't have that previously so that really helped us you know make some very specific decisions about our characters and our stories and yeah like uh just going on the you guys have a very talented pool of writers in for your show like like Dan, Dan, you write a lot of episodes. Uh, Ashley Birch wrote like she did like five or six episodes, which I remember watching her. Um, I would have been in my teens and like watching her do her like, "Hey Ash, what you're playing?" stuff. Like, and yeah. I loved those so much because they were just they were just always one. They were always spot on, like, and they were always very clever. And like, yeah, just what you guys do in this show love it like the writing spot on like all the references are spot on um the little one-liners and you know little jokes and everything are trickled in there 
that I think are great. There was an Adams Family one that I, I had to like rewind and be like, did they just do like Adams Family? And it was like, <laughs> yep, it was Adams Family. Yeah. Uh, I was like, man, that was that was there. Uh, there's like Scooby Doo and like there's a Halo one, uh, like all kinds of really fun little things. And I think that just like helps with your identity as a show to where it's like, yeah, like this is for kids, but it's also for everybody. Like everybody is included in this. Um, no matter age, walk of life, video game knowledge. Um, Cause I mean like, yeah, like uh, was Miko's sister plays like Candy Crush. And right. cause it's an app, it's not a game, it's an app. Right. um so i was just like yeah that's that's you know clever because like i went to high school with you know people that they wouldn't play video games but like they would play you know like snake and everything on their phone i just like dated myself uh we play like you know games yeah. on their phone and everything and be like that's and gamification game. in general is huge you know in a way the glitch tech job is almost like a satire of the fact that most companies do now gamify the the workplace and you know where you you don't just like work to get a promotion, you, you unlock achievements and you achieve levels and you, you know, and you can be 80 years old and clipping coupons um, when you go shopping. And I guarantee you that they're, they're now playing a coupon game and they're unlocking levels. I mean, a punch card at a, at a sandwich shop is, um, you know, a tier based on like Gary Gygax's D and D it's a, it's a tier system of unlockables and rewards and treasures that you earn for your experience. Mm -hmm. So that is so permeated our culture at all these different levels. And it's fun to see where they intersect. And that became like a, definitely a huge part of the show to kind of just show how gaming is in all aspects of our lives. And so is pop culture. So it's hard to get networks to sometimes sign off on this, but what I liked about um, some of um, like Joss Whedon's early work when he was doing shows like Buffy the Vampire Slayer is his characters would occasionally reference pop culture. They would talk about famous bands. They would mention Scooby-Doo um, because they were a genre show, but the characters were smart and they knew that they were getting into situations that felt very Scooby-like. Right. So they became- Well, we consider they called themselves the Scoobies. Yeah. <laughs> so, that is great. You know, when Miko wants to, you know, acknowledge that her sister doesn't know what she's talking about, she can call her a muggle. And when, you know, um, if she wants to call something mysterious and spooky because she knows what Adam's family is, or she says jinkies because she found a secret door. Right. How many friends do you have who talk with quotes and who spit out, you know, these little like pop references? You can't do it too much, but if you do it a little bit, it's part of what makes them sound like they live in the same world as us. Right. So yeah. That was my, uh, my, my best friend now, uh, we, I think we live in the same apartment complex, her and her husband, and I got them turned on the letter Kenny <laughs> and it's just been letter Kenny quotes for yeah, the past in your week head. and a half. It's just like, boom, boom, boom. And I'm just like, I got to rewatch the series. Cause like I, I had watched it already and then we do it every Friday night. They come over and I, you know, we'll either get food or I'll make food. And then we'll like, we've been playing Mario, like Mario all-stars on the switch. Um, and we finally beat that horrible game. I'm just kidding. I love it. <laughs> but like that superstar road thing at the end is terrible. Um, 
but we we finally beat it so i was like okay let's watch two episodes of letter kenny because i've been trying to get them to watch it for years um just like yeah watch it and so they watched it hooked on it did all eight seasons which is not that much because there's only like eight episodes a season did all eight seasons in you know a weekend Amazing. now they're coming up with you know like all these quotes and everything i'm like it's been a while guys i don't remember every single scene now i have to rewatch letter kenny so yeah i definitely know people that talk with in quotes yes language is so important so whether high five is just slipping into casual spanish or miko is saying jinkies or some of the stuff we invented like oshmup which was invented by ashley and you know she did so many great like little terms that were just unique to her writing um yeah it just feels more real because we don't always understand everything we're hearing but you kind of can grasp the meaning and the intent the only rule we had was that we never you know we never hung plot points on those kinds of lines yeah. you know any, anything you needed to understand to get through the story we didn't mess with and that's why we didn't get a lot of notes from the network i think because they, they knew it was just um uh, that stuff was just kind of in between the the really important lines so they didn't police us very much um is there a video game or movie that you guys uh haven't gotten to um do in the show that you want to do a lot <laughs> yeah i mean there's uh i was i think i, I mentioned this uh, another time but my son played uh hello neighbor mm-hmm. He's really into that uh and i was thinking like man that would be fun you know because he, i i understood why he liked it i understood like why he was so into it and i was like oh man that would be cool to see an episode like that where like you know, they have to play from this point of view of going into some mystery home and you don't, you don't know at which corner somebody's coming, going to come and grab you, you know, just like little things like that. Um, uh, I, I don't know. There's, there's, there's a lot of stuff that we, I, I think that was part of like the blessing and the curse of like our show. Right. It's like so many genres that we can dip into because of the, yeah, uh, the content. Yeah. Or, it was or a nightmare. It's about. It, it was like, it was like being a kid in the candy store, but instead of just being like, we, I can have whatever I want. It was this, this like dread anxiety of like, I hope I don't choose the wrong one because you, you, it was too much choice. But the wonderful thing is that's again, why when you focus on character stories and what the characters are probably going through, you're more likely to find what game or genre will suit that story. A much better reason to choose one thing or another. Or that's also why you have interesting writers who maybe, you know, we would all talk about our personal relationship with games and what it feels like to be stuck in Castlevania, but also surprised by it. You know, these are the things you love, hate about a game like that. Let's do an episode that captures that. Um, And also, so it's either the feeling of a game you want to capture or the mechanics. So I can kind of answer your question slightly too by saying um, they're mechanics we love. So if Eric likes Hey Neighbor, we wouldn't just set out to do a straight up parody. We'd say, well, what's cool about it? It's yeah. like that thing of you're getting away with something, but oh crap, there's the neighbor and it's kind of unrelenting. It's like the alien in alien isolation yeah you don't know where it's gonna be yeah yeah and it's got this amazing ai it's hunting you right Mm -hmm. so imagine that that ai from the neighbor which is kind of like a kid's comedy horror 
but that thing is never going to stop coming. It's like the Terminator. So yeah. we would probably play with that feeling. Yeah, the feeling is key for us. Like in every everything that we did, we always went back to feeling. And, you know, if the feeling felt right, if that's how we would feel as those kids, then we knew we were in the right direction with, with the story. And you look for different perspectives. There's a young kid who's going to be truly terrified by it, truly mm-hmm. terrified. And then there's an older person who's like, this, the game's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> so if you can capture those POVs and put them on two or more characters, that's great too. And that's Mitch Williams saying, what's this stupid old school ping glitch? And High Five saying, hey, that's for my father's generation. And then you put into that this little pong blip that will just, you know, um, and while they're arguing what are they doing they are literally ponging the thing back and forth and the more they argue the more intense it gets and so that's when you kind of feel oh man all this is working like this episode has to be pong now because it just fits so well the story and we don't always get there right away that's the hardest part it takes quite a few outlines, quite a few scripts, and then, you know, into the animatic process to really refine that stuff. Mm-hmm. But that's the magic. Mm-hmm. Um, I always wanted to do the mechanic in like the Lego games where you can navigate between several characters by pressing the yeah. Y button. And then suddenly I'm this member of the team and now I'm this member. In order to do X task and everything like that, yeah. Yeah, so that might be an interesting mechanic. It's not a story, but it's something that goes up on a card that goes on the wall. And if we find the right story that fits it, then we pull it down. So, but there's so many genres we'd love to do. You know, we talked about Katamari Damacy, like that is such an odd PS2 title, I think. And that would be pretty funny. A glitch goes out and just starts rolling people up we'll roll up that one little girl in the sweater who doesn't have hands <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. the one who played mario in the pet shop girl. that yeah. one sabrina <laughs> her name's sabrina that's amazing sabrina sabrina, sabrina. Um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh yeah a Dungeons and dragons episode would be fun yeah we have one of our no it's, we have one in our season three yeah oh yeah. nice yeah, that that would be that would be amazing because, I mean, yeah, been playing that for a while, so it's like yeah, whenever well, like I'm I'm loving this games. yeah loving this like resurgence of, you know like D and D and like tabletop games and everything. It's it's nice. We did make some references to D and D in the show. The the sword of Gygagan is meant to be like a Gary Gygax reference. Nice. Uh, you wouldn't have Castlevania if you didn't have D and D. Um, we've mentioned Dave Arneson in one of our episodes and, um, oh, there was another thing. Uh, dang it. It fell out of my head. Uh, it'll come back to me. It was another, well, like Bergie plays. Oh uh, yeah. And it, it's Bergie talking about RPGs, but also if you notice in the beginning of the Pong episode, they're, they're playing a board game and we just thought, Hey, let's not snub. You know, we love all games. Let's show them playing an analog game. Yeah. You know, just without cause pulling a lot of attention to it, we just thought it was cool that when you're in the break room, yeah, you're rolling dice. When you're not plugged in, they're still gathering. You're still gaming. Play. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. This tabletop was the birth of all of it. It was the first algorithm, you know. Oh man. Guys, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. This was this was fun. 
Glad. I hope you had a good time. Otherwise, I wasted an hour of your lives. So, <laughs> uh, uh, but where can everybody find you guys, uh, social media wise, uh, Eric? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at legit Eric Robles. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Robles with three R or four R's altogether. Robles. Hold on, is it three I or like four the R's? Mars. Robles. Is it, is it three or four R's? It's four R's. Oh. <laughs> he's gonna add another one he's gonna add a fifth r (laughs) that's where five comes from yeah that's the amount of r's in eric's instagram handle yes and and i'm less and less a facebook guy so uh you know eric robles i guess on that but yeah less and less so nancy there and dan i'm at dan milano on twitter i'm uh uh, D Milano glitch tech on uh, Instagram. And uh, that's, that's pretty much it. I have other accounts that I don't maintain properly. So those are the two <laughs> places to reach me. <laughs> uh, his MySpace account. He hasn't used that in years. Yeah, uh, he had an old GeoCities account. Doesn't touch that anymore. Um, I was and- in America online build 1.0. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, anybody have their, anybody still remember their aim? Their aim oh, user names. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I was probably Ectomobile. I was Ectomobile. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. That's better than the anime mashup that I used to have. Um, and we'll put everybody's uh, social media links in the show notes uh, with uh, the Glitch Text ones and uh, the Netflix Glitch Text links so you can go and watch Netflix. If you haven't already, uh, why? It's it's on there. You got two seasons. Second season just came out. Um, but yeah, we didn't spoil anything. Like no, we you didn't. didn't. You talked a lot about it, but you didn't. Spoil yeah, it we didn't. Thing. We didn't even mention the fact that you know, Mitch dies at the end of the season too. That guys, we did Somebody it. Somebody had to. <laughs> <I think laughs> That's how just, you win it. Emmys, guys. That's how you yeah. win Emmys. You kill a character, it's an Emmy. Did I tell you? Did I tell you? Did I tell you? I, I was telling the guys. They put us up for uh, an award. I have no idea. Um, you know. I just heard somebody attended a like a, a live stream of the Casa Grandes on a uh, on Twitch on the Nickelodeon glitch uh, on the Nickelodeon Twitch channel, and um, somebody in the audience was like, "I have a question. Are you going to do a, a glitch text uh, stream?" And they're like, "Yeah, we're looking into that." They're not. I haven't looked into it. <laughs> I really hope that. Hold on, uh, I think they're calling me. Hold on. Yeah. I, yeah. I would, I would That's love his to agent see Dasani. Dasani? Uh. We would love to see uh, the artists um, and the animators get some recognition for their work. But if nothing else, the response online has been overwhelming. If people want to follow um, hashtag glitch text, hashtag renew glitch text, there has been so much amazing fan art yeah. by um, not only uh, a, a huge amount of fans, but also the, the crew continues to do the custom art. Um, people, some of our animators doing commissions, like, um, and, and they're just publishing new stuff every day. It's gorgeous. And we've been sharing a lot of um, material that people can look up, like scripts, uh, show documents, um, art style guides, things that you know, people who are interested in learning more can take a look at and get their hands on. Yeah, nice. if you follow me on uh, on Instagram, uh, I'm always posting a lot of behind the scenes art and all that good stuff on there. So sweet. Yeah, yeah. that's how we learned. So we'd love people to study that stuff and have some free education. 
Nice. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, everything's going to be in the show notes. Click on those, follow them, get all the awesome, cool BTS stuff. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Josh L. Kane. You can find the podcast on Instagram at What's Up Fandom, on Twitter at What's Up Fandom PC for podcast. All of our episodes are available iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, Spotify, uh, YouTube, and on our website, animationstationpodcast.com, because I haven't changed it yet. Because it just. <laughs> It just re it just renewed like in July and then we rebranded in August. So I'm like, I've already spent the money. I'm just yeah. gonna keep it till it has to renew again. Later. You, gotta, you gotta rememorize your whole thing and Exactly. It was tough. Oh man, having I don't know how many times like I've done the uh Twitter and Instagram at animation station Oh no, that's not right. That's it's all wrong. Um so guys, again, thank you so much for coming on. Um renew glitch decks hashtag renew done. done done we did it guys we yeah, heard it here first we we got 10 more shows for you and we we've dropped a lot of information about what's in those 10 episodes they're pretty much all done they just need to be shipped for animation so if anybody wants to see them hit up um nickelodeon netflix let them know you like the show if you really enjoyed it watch it again because when Nick, when netflix sees that um you're not done and you're hungry for more that's what tells them that maybe they need to pick it up otherwise they just figure you'll move on to you know whatever else they got for you definitely um all right so uh again thanks everybody for coming on so uh for what's up fandom i'm josh i was uh, i'm eric robles and that was what was up (laughs) (laughs) Fandom. Bye. bye everybody take care